a surprise to Amelia. Let's do this, Kevin. What's the buzz time? It's Thursday night, 4 o'clock in L.A. I'm sorry, it's 5 o'clock in L.A. <laughs> it's 8 o'clock in New York City, and it's I think it's 5 p.m. in Iowa. I believe it's 5 p.m. in Iowa, Kevin. What, the, what, what time is it in Iowa? We'll figure it out. I believe it's probably uh, 7 p.m. Uh, because it's 5 p.m. where I'm at. Oh, okay. Oh, it is 5 o'clock where you are. Oh, you're in Tucson, Arizona. Yes. Wow. Okay. Fabulous. Fabulous. Um, we, of course, are joined, uh, as I promised, two nights this week by Bible, uh, Bible scholar and historian Kevin Schopel. He is also a guy that's really interesting because he has a special interest in psychics and Christianity uh, we talked about that Tuesday. We're going to get more into that tonight. I want to tell everybody I'm, I'm not used to flying solo. Amelia is not here tonight. She's on uh, assignment. She's actually looking up our uh, guest for next week. She, she's got a, a handful tonight. Um, but if I know her, she's playing hooky, and she's probably home with her husband having a cup of coffee and eating a bowl of ice cream. So, Amelia, whatever you're doing, enjoy yourself, kid. Um, because I Papa's flying by the seat of his pants tonight. <laughs> Kevin, we had an interesting discussion on Tuesday. Very, very interesting discussion, and it garnered, I have to tell you, a lot of reaction from people. Our show has been shared out the wazoo with any number of people, some Christians, some not. In fact, mostly not. Uh, but a few psychics um, actually got a hold of our show, and I received a very nice, really nice letter. Um, I want to show people. This is a full-page letter that I got from a young lady. I want to give her a shout-out. Her name is Diane Payne Golden, and I'm going to read this later on in the show. Um, I gave Kevin a little heads-up on it because... You know, I've always got to give the guest a little heads up. Um, we had an interesting night, Kevin. We saw video clips from various people espousing that, the, that psychics are evil and psychics are maybe not people you want to hang around. Um, the, you know, the general Christian blanket for all psychics is they're evil, they're not of God, um, they're the devil's workers, you know, stay away from them, blah, blah, blah. All this other happy horseshit that we hear. Um, and I'm just going to call it what it is because it's just horseshit. Um, in fact, it's interesting, Kevin, that most Christians are not the first people you'd go to if you needed help with something. Um, I'd, I'd sooner go to an atheist before I go to a Christian for help with anything. And that's a sad state of affairs. Um, because, and I'll be honest with you, I know quite a few atheists and there's some of the nice people you'll ever meet, uh, and they don't judge anybody because they don't have to, they don't believe in anything. So <laughs> they got nothing to judge. Um, in a way it's, it's an enviable, enviable position to be in. But if you're like you and I, and we were raised with some sense of morality and, um, and religious invocation in our background, uh, then it's tough to just walk away from that. 
it's also very tough to live that kind of a Christian life when other things get in the way of Christianity, like the fact that you're a psychic and um, you have to like bear this burden yourself because society gives you very little in the way of support, comfort, encouragement. Can we talk about that? Because it's just you and I tonight. So why don't we just have a very kind of informal guy talk tonight? Um, what are your thoughts on what I just said? I, I'm sure you're like bursting at the seams with opinion. Well, I know that this is something I said back when I was at Pima Street Baptist Church. And, you know, when I was teaching and I was actually the adult education director, where I said, you know, when people have these supernatural questions, shouldn't we as the church be the first that people come to because again what is what is a church is supposed to be dealing with the supernatural the heavenly you know the creator of all things um this may sound a little odd but i got a call back and i remember the date because of the three five seven nine number pattern but it was march 5th of 2007 i got a call at nine o'clock at night that apparently a friend of ours who had two small children were having practically uh, the equivalent of a poltergeist experience. Wow. And when I come over and, you know, I went there and I didn't see anything happening at that moment, but we, we got into the hallway, which was kind of the center of the house. And I shared with them what was said in Mark 16, 17, that these signs will follow those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons. And so I said, do you believe this? And they said, sure. I said, it's okay. Let's just have a prayer. And I said, you know, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that these beings leave. And then I said directly to him, I says, in the name of Jesus, leave. You're not to bother this house. You're not yeah. to bother this family. Leave. Now, I didn't see any wild actions going on or a struggle put up, but checking back with... Uh, Johnny and Raven, a couple of days later, the mom and dad, they said everything had returned to normal after that. Wow. And that's the only thing like that. But I had to fill in for the pastor the following Sunday, and I created a message called, Who Are You Going to Call?, which is like the theme to Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, yeah, sure. And I, I emphasize that point. I says there are people who are having unusual experiences. They're afraid to talk yeah. about them, and we need to equip ourselves as a church to deal with this. And that's and I want and that's what I want to talk about. I want to go there. Because you mentioned something that I actually have personal experience with. One of the things that I'm known for and of course, you know, people who know me and people have come to me, I have a reputation Kevin as America's psychic bad boy. That's what they used to call me. <laughs> America's psychic bad boy. And I've had that reputation for more than 20 years. Here's the thing. One of the things that I'm known for are my cleansings. When I go into a home and cleanse it, one of the most powerful prayers anybody could ever say or recite with faith in their heart is the prayer of Michael the Archangel. And those of you who don't know it, just look it up. On, on Google or Yahoo or whatever, the prayer of Michael the Archangel. That was that was my go-to. And I have to tell you that, um, you know, when you talk about people having issues in their home with spirit activity and, uh, and dark energy, for lack of a better word, um, Nothing works better than faith in your heart and a prayer in your hand. Nothing, nothing works better than that. You don't need holy oil. You don't need holy water. You don't need any oracle. You don't need blessed salt like people do. By the way, they do that in the Orient, Japan particularly. They throw salt to get rid of the evil spirits. To me, that's just a waste of salt. I agree. You know, um, nothing, in my opinion, Kevin, and this just, it's only my opinion, 
Nothing works better than, as I said, faith in the heart and a prayer in the hand. But there are people in the church atmosphere, people whose job it is to pray, people whose job it is to invoke faith. You will not see those people. You will not see any of those people. Looks like someone's trying to get through to you, Kevin. Uh, yeah. Uh, that that's. I'm gonna have to. Okay, yeah, you can just a second here. Go ahead. Uh, can I go time. ahead and have Stana call you back? All right, she's on my phone right now, which is three five or two four eight six seven zero six. If you want to dial her, okay. Thanks. Okay, I apologize for that. It it was one of Stan's friends. What we did, because la on Tuesday night, I used up about half of my uh, um, um, hotspot data being on the show. And she says, I will own you my phone tonight so you can be on Thursday night's show. And so uh, her friends are calling on this phone here that is hooked up to the podcast. Well, <laughs> I, I was going to say, do you have a computer? I do, but we had some bad... Um, internet problems and this happened when i was doing what we call christian intuitive worship uh between july and september of this year i remember but, that I, re I remember talking to you about that yes right and so what had happened there was there was on two of the five messages where i was delivering the message although others did the music but my internet connection was fizzling out on me and and i was having trouble with my provider and so for the moment, at least right now, we we switch to, um, you know, hotspots. Yeah. And I may have to revise that. But in any case, uh, that's why we had that little interruption there. I apologize. No, no problem, my friend. But what we were talking about is um, churches. These are places where you go to pray. There are people there whose job it is to pray for you and with you. There are also people there to help you build up your faith, to invoke faith in you. But you will never see any of those people at any time, anywhere going to bat with a psychic or someone that's intuitive or someone that calls themselves gifted. Although, <laughs> you can pick up the Bible anywhere and it's got any number of references to gifts of the Spirit. Now, yes. Isn't that a hypocrisy let's talk about the hypocrisy of the church as it relates to people like you and me because i know that you don't call yourself a psychic i know that but i also know that kevin Schopel is very intuitive so yes. um you know call yourself with your will i'm going to call you one of my people <laughs> so well, thank you, you. you know um you have a gift, just like I have a gift. We use our gift for good. That's what we do. And I will confess to you, I will confess to the world, and I will confess to God publicly that I have at times in my life, especially early on in my life, there were times that I used my psychic ability for personal gain. You know? Um, and I'll just tell you, money, women, sex, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to the world. I, I've done that early in my life, you know, but you grow up and you educate yourself and God kicks your ass a little bit, a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And so you go, okay. Here's the deal, Lord. I'm not going to take any money for what I do. And that's the deal. I won't take any money and I'll do my work for you. And I'll do a good job and I'll keep my nose clean and above board. That's why I don't take money for what I do. That was a deal I made with God. You know, I'm, I'm honoring my end. Now, if people want to give me money, I'm not going to turn away a donation but I don't go soliciting, let's put it that way. And I never do. Um, so your opinion on 
the the way the church, Kevin, handles people like us. Well, and, and here's what I've seen. More of the people that have a at least an intuitive, a psychic ability, many times they've kept it quiet. When some of them found out the book I had written, they would come out of the closet, so to speak, about experiences that they'd had with angels or experiences with intuition. It turned out the person who took over my class at Pima Street actually, you know, had telepathy as a, as a gift, but she never really said it around church. Yeah. Um, but the fact is, I feel that we all benefit from these things. And as I was even saying on Tuesday night's show that, you know, that Melanie, who saw that I was writing four books, you know, and back in 2010, yeah. it was an encouragement to me. You know, it's, you know, to me, it's not always like a fortune telling, picking the lottery numbers and so on, but many times to kind of, you know, give you a feel as, are you on the right track? Are you glorifying the Lord in what you're doing? Um, now, I also mentioned my first girlfriend, Tammy, you know, as I told you, she was precognitive. Mm -hmm. and her dad was a big fan of going down to the Greyhound track here in Tucson. And once I turned 18, he definitely wanted me to come along so that I would go to the Muto window and place his wagers. Well, you like to play the ponies, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, this was actually the dogs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. the dog, the dog track. Yeah. But anyway, there was a couple yeah. of races which Tammy basically told me, you know, what to wager on. And yeah. to me, my own gut feeling at the time wasn't putting down her, but at the same time, feeling, you know, psychic ability is work. And to me, it's always been unethical for me to benefit or profit from somebody else's work. And I, so I didn't do it. And I don't know if Tammy, you know, she was young then. She was she was 16 and I was 18 at that point. And maybe she felt that I was spurning that gift or something. I never did. Yeah. I did many times tell her, you know, what makes you sure? You know, I didn't press her hard on it, but I always wanted to kind of know. And she had a funny way of, of answering some things like uh, she predicted uh, that three New Year's Day bowl games in 1976 would be an upset. Yeah. And I said, what makes you so sure of that? She said, because it's your birthday. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out she was true. She was correct about yeah. what had happened, but that was her answer for me. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. I have to tell you, 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 um, you struck a nerve with me. Um, it's, it's funny. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I am, um, known for is, um, inserting humor in my, uh, in my readings. And cause I, I, it's already enough pressure when someone comes to, to do a reading with you. It's a lot of pressure for them because, you know, they don't know what to expect and they, um, they sometimes are, are more nervous than you are. So I always try to insert some humor. But when you said a moment ago, um, I forget what it was that you said. Um, you were talking about, um, oh, um, her uh, precognitive ability. Oh, God, I wish I could remember. That quick, I forgot. Um, oh, hell. Anyway. But was I, it the dog track or was it the bowl games? I think it might have been the dog track. One of the things that, I, oh, no, I remember it was the lottery number. Ah. When you talked about the lottery. Okay. I have to tell you, and, and I'm going to tie this all together. I was living as a bachelor by myself probably 13, 12, 13 years ago because I've been married to Anita for 10 now. And that, yeah, about 12 years ago, I got a phone call from a client in California. And he called me at 3 a.m. East Coast time. Now, in California, it was only midnight, which was already late enough, but it was 3 a.m. He called me in a, in a drunken state. And I, I mentioned the humor because this is what I did, thought I was being funny, okay? You're going to appreciate this, Kevin. Trust me. Here's the story. He calls me and says, Angelo, I need, you got to help me, brother. I need, I need the lottery number. I'm in, I'm in trouble financially. I'm 
drowning over here. I need help. I'm sorry I'm drunk, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so he's loaded. I mean, he's just like three sheets to the wind. I said, you know, you know, that's not what I do. You know, X number you know, a person, you know, I'm not going to mention his name. I said, that's you know, funny. that's not what I do. You know, Mr. X, I'll call him. You know, Mr. X, you know, that's not what I do. You know, I don't, I don't do the lotteries. He goes, I just, just this one time, man, just this one time I'm in trouble. I need help, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, get a pen and paper, write this down. And I gave him these numbers, okay? I gave him a set of 10 numbers, all right? With okay. one With one number added to it. So it was a full 11 numbers. He goes, oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm going to play these numbers tomorrow, which was a Monday morning. Sure enough, he played the numbers that Monday in, in Los Angeles. Don't you know, Kevin, that night, 7 p.m. that night, he calls me. After having just hit the lottery with those numbers. Now, you're saying, where's the humor here? Here's the humor. The numbers I gave him were his phone number with the number one on the end. <laughs> I gave him his own phone number and added a one to it. That was, And he won... Eight million dollars, and I ain't seen a dime of it yet. <laughs> that was Thirteen years ago, and that's a true story. You can't make this shit up. You can't yeah. make this up. But you have to have, you have to have a bit of a sense of humor. Um, have you ever had an experience where somebody just off the cuff said something that you gave it no thought? And later that day or maybe the next day or so that what they said came to, to pass or came to ring true for you? Well, here's what happened. Uh, back uh, back about 2012, I had gotten a, um, a tablet. This was a uh, HP tablet that had a different operating system, and I, it had Skype on it, which was fairly new at the time. Right. And Melanie had it on her computer in, in Kingman. And so we thought we thought, well, let's go ahead and and um, see how this works out and communicate on Skype. Yeah. Well, because at that point, you know, you didn't have these developed backgrounds like this brick background behind me, which is you know contrived. Yeah. And I didn't want her to see all the storage mess, so I turned my chair to where there was a radio in the background. Yeah. And you know, and one of the first things that she said, she says, your dad's still glad that you still got that radio. And I said, yeah, I know he gave it to me when he left for Turkey and I was 11 years old. And I, it was two days later that I thought, wait a minute. I never told her about anything in my office. That was the validation to Melanie yep. that she was spot on with that. Um, and I wrote her back again. I'm still very... Uh, uh, uneducated in yeah. most of these things, and I said, you know, what what is what is going on now? Is my dad here to criticize me? You know that I don't make as much money as yeah. him or whatever. And she came back with me, and she says, no, he is wanting to say that he's very proud of you for being the husband and dad you are. Yeah, and uh, uh, it was something I thought I'd never hear because yeah. at that point he had been dead twenty years. I have to tell you something. Hold that thought right there. Yeah. I reached over and I grabbed this. I'll tell you why I grabbed this. Because what you're telling is absolutely the same story. My father passed away this year in January. He passed away on my daughter's birthday. Okay. January 21st, I'll never forget that day because we lost my father. It was my daughter's birthday, 
And one of my favorite singers died that day, too, Meatloaf. Mm. Yeah. And, and Louis Anderson passed away that morning, too. Okay? All within 10 minutes of each other. My father, Meatloaf, and Louis Anderson. Okay? Going over to my dad's house to clean the house out. I find a voice speaks that says, look up. So I'm in the shed outside, like like a little garage area. I'm in this shed, and they say, look up. I look up, and this is what I find. Okay? Uh-huh. I have to tell you about this. I bought this from my father when he turned 40. Okay? I bought this when he turns 40. I didn't realize it at the time. In fact, I didn't realize it until I pulled it out of the, um, the, the garage that there's a number on the back. I can't see the number very well. 791, it says. Oh, I see it now. Yeah. It says 791. I didn't realize at the time that what I was buying was a collector's piece. It says, Dad, you're number one. My father was very proud of the fact that I turned into a fine father myself. So when, and I will say that about myself. I will pat myself on the back for that one. Because I am a good dad. And when I saw this, I, was, I just laughed and I shook my head. Because I thought to myself, you know what? You old bugger. You know, now it's my turn, right? And I got this when, like I said, when he turned 40, he passed when he was 81. He was 81 years old when he died. He would have been 82 in, uh, in May. Um, but it's just funny how, because, again, this was, this should never have been in the garage, it should have been up in his office where it used to be. How it got outside in an old shed with shovels and rakes and tools is beyond me. But it's just an odd, odd thing. But I, again, with sense of humor, spirit has a heck of a sense of humor. Because what are the odds that I go in the shed and they say, look up? knowing that this is what I bought him when he turned 40. So, it's just weird stuff like that that happens to me all the time, Kevin. So, let's talk about... We talked the other night about psychics in the Bible. I want to read something. This is from a young lady. She sent me... She took the time... She really took the time to write this, and um, I, I want to mention, acknowledge Diana Payne Golden, and she says, um, I watched What's the Buzz podcast. It was excellent, and I cannot wait to tune in again. I am not educated on the Bible, nor am I a medium by any means. I am a singer, so unless y'all just want to break out the guitar and have a sing-along, I'm not equipped to even come close to engaging in conversation with such incredible insight as what I heard on your show today. I met Kevin Schopel by discovering his book after I met him with a medium here in Oklahoma City after losing my precious husband last year. The visit with the medium, someone I trusted, who just came out last year, literally changed my entire view and beliefs on what happens when we die. And then Kevin validated even more with his incredible knowledge and his wisdom of the Bible and how it has been interpreted. That's a key point. It's a, and we're going to talk about interpretation, Kevin. The lady that said she renounced her abilities, that she's referring to Doreen Virtue. Yes. The lady that said that she renounced her abilities and gave her life to Jesus was very interesting. Uh, Diana... Uh, Doreen Virtue was, bar none, one of the top five psychics in the world during her practicing days. 
And I'm that's not by any means an exaggeration. And she was probably like number one or two of the top five. Um, Kevin always was right on the money with that, as far as I believe. Intentions may be intentions may be to deceive, or like Kevin said, disobey the Lord would be something not to dapple with, but I've seen a true medium in the flesh. And he just came out with my visits, and it was absolutely healing. And there was no ill intentions or false negative energy whatsoever in the room. It changed my entire view. These people God put in my path, thank you, Diana, for saying that. These people God put in my path gave me peace and comfort and was nothing evil whatsoever. And I have no doubt whatsoever the Bible has been so misinterpreted for the benefit of religions and churches um, that so misrepresented, oh, the, um, so misrepresented for the benefit of religion and churches and because of the different interpretations, it has created doubt and fear in people. And if there is one thing I do know for certain, fear and doubt do not come from the Lord. Amen, Diana Payne Golden. I don't know you, lady, but I already love you. Yes, yeah, she is a very nice person. Uh, like I say, I've chatted with her a few times on Messenger. She has sent me her album that she had recorded. She's a great singer. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, Diana Payne Golden, if you're out there and you want to send me a CD, I will get it to Sylvia. I will get it to Lacey J. Dalton. I'll get it to a management company in Nashville. Um, you want to come on the show and sing? I'll sing with you. I'll play the guitar for you, too. I play very badly, but I can still play. Um, that's another show altogether. <laughs> but, Kevin, let's talk about this. We, we had a lot of feedback. That's one letter. One. Yeah. A very nice, beautiful, long letter. We've had others shorter, but say, basically saying the same thing. Like, where have you been all my life? Um... That kind of stuff, like, you know, interpreting the Bible. First of all, can we talk about interpreting the Bible? Sure we can. This has been, and pardon my language, Kevin, but this has been a shit show for years. How to interpret the Bible. When to interpret the Bible. Um, people who um, People who claim to be biblical scholars that skew the slant to one direction or the other to benefit whatever cause or purpose they're involved in. For example, I'll give you a perfect example. The Catholic Church, you won't see a Bible in a Catholic Church. You will in a Protestant Church. You will in a Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian. You'll see all kinds of Bibles. But, you're not going to see the same interpretation of the Bible. You may see the New American Standard. You may see the King James. You, you may see the Revised uh, American Standard. Um, you may see the traditional King James. Um, any number of translations, which, by the way, I believe, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I believe different translations of the Bible skew the Bible to mean something completely different. They I certainly believe that. Um, you may have read this already in my very first book, The Bible, The Truth About Psychics and Spiritual Gifts, but the, <coughs> the scriptures such as Leviticus 19.31, it says, do not turn to mediums or spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. In the later translations, the King James Version says, do not turn to them that have familiar spirits or are wizards, and you, or you will be defiled by them. So here was the thing is, I had to say, okay, is medium a more current term than person with a familiar spirit? And what I did, wow. because 
I like to look at dictionaries that were more of the time. Uh, there wasn't a dictionary for 1611 when King James Version does, but there's the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, the original. And you can find it online anywhere. I actually have it right here. I'll tell you what, you, you actually quoted, uh, Kevin, verbatim, the King James Version. Yes. Um, the New King James Version, which I have in front of me, says, and I quote Leviticus 19.31, give no regards to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. Mm-hmm. I am the Lord your God, it says. That's what it I... It also has, it also, but to its credit, though, it also gives the full context in which it's speaking. Which I like, and that, by the way, that's from BibleGateway.com, which I love. One of my favorite sites. Yeah. The other one is Leviticus 26, where it says, And the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face against them and cut them off from his people. So, but you can read that in the new American standard, and it's a totally different translation. The wording is everything's different. Mm -hmm. It's almost not recognizable. So there is a problem. I guess I want to call it a problem. And if I'm wrong, then, you know, then God will smite me. I don't know. But it seems to me that the problem is twofold. Number one, we don't know how to interpret it. Okay. And and the second problem may be the people doing these versions don't know how to interpret it. it well, this is why I went back to the original King James. See, the, one of the differences in the King James Version was that when it was initially commissioned by James I of England, yeah. you had two, pe- two groups of believers, which was the Anglicans and the Puritans. Yeah. One group believed that the Geneva Bible was the correct one. The other be- believed that the Bishop's Bible was the correct one. So James I said, we're going to settle this. We're going to appoint the best scholars from both groups together, yeah. and we're going to do a fresh translation and compare it with the other translations, such as Wycliffe and others that had come before, and come up with one Bible that we can all agree is the Word of God that can be read in churches, and it be a public domain Bible in that sense, too. So the fact is, is that you had, let's say if I was an Anglican, um, a Puritan might be checking my translation work, you know, my opponent. Um, But I also believe, too, that in the sense that the Holy Spirit has guided most is if you look at the translations that are most commonly used, the ones that you quoted, most of them have copyright dates of 1952 and later. Yeah. The fact is, is that did nobody bother with another translation during the future? So, and no, that's not true. There was many other translations. That's but I the Holy Spirit preserved it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Excellent question to try to. to to glean the answer to, because I'll tell you what, um, it's it's not as easy as it seems to get answers to, to a simple question like, when was it printed? Yeah, for real. But, uh, trust me, I've tried, and it's it's not so easy. Believe me when I tell you, it's not so easy. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about. Yes. In that the video clip we watched the other night. You heard Sister Madeline talking about um, when Saul consults a medium, remember? I remember that from 1 Samuel 28. Yeah, and I have it in front of me. Um, I have a problem with her interpretation of this. It says, now, when Samuel died and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him uh, in Ramah in his own city, and Saul had put the mediums and spiritualists out of the land it goes on to say then the woman said to him look you know what saul has done now he has cut how he has cut off the mediums and spiritualists from the land why then do you lay a snare from my life to cause me to die can you explain that in context of what sister madeline was talking about 
Well, I don't understand where she's getting that this wasn't uh, Saul. No, okay. Well, first of all, Saul disguised himself, as you probably read in the full context. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's another problem I had with what Madeline was saying, was that she said that, that the spirit that came up was not Samuel, whereas the Bible, if you look at the whole chapter, the Bible never says, and this spirit that was impersonating Samuel, it says this was Samuel. I know, I have it right in front of me. It was the message that Saul did not care to hear, which was that he was going to die to battle tomorrow, and that he and his sons will be with Samuel. Yeah, I know, I'm, I'm looking right at it. I have, yes. I, yeah, I had I had the print. This, like, by the way, if Sister Madeline, if you're out there, uh, please read this. If you're going to quote the Bible, read the Bible first, because the way I look at this, it sure the heck looks like Samuel to me. You know? Yes. I mean, it sure looks like Saul to me. Uh, uh, yeah, Samuel is the book. I'm sorry. Uh, sure looks like Saul to me. Yes. Um, but it's, well, that was exactly why the woman, you know, it says it in, in that translation, that she shrieked and said, you are Saul, because the spirit that came up was actually Samuel. It was not this... A familiar spirit, and if you'll also read there, that says, you know, seek out a woman in indoor who has a familiar spirit. And uh, and this was not her so-called familiar. This was the actual Samuel, and it says she shrieked and said, "You are Saul. You deceived me." Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I want to kind of go over with you a little bit, Kevin. Yes. Uh, are certain terms that the new king james uses they you we've already heard a couple of them using the term uh to put out um to put out of this land to set aside here's what second kings 23 24 says it says moreover josiah put away those who, who consulted mediums and spiritualists the household gods and idols all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, that he might perform the words of the law, which were written in the book that Hakiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. Can you explain to everybody what he's talking about, what they're talking about when they say that uh, he put away the mediums and spiritualists? Ex explain, because it, it doesn't, in our terms, it doesn't make sense, you know, to put away a medium or to put away a spiritualist. I will be honest first that I'm not as familiar with using the terms put away, but a lot of times the word put away, for example, in Matthew chapter 1, mm -hmm. it meant to divorce quietly or to separate from someone quietly because, like it says, and okay. Joseph was minded to put away Mary quietly to not make a public disgrace. Okay. So, so that is my usual take on the meaning of that. Well, I'll tell you what, in the context that you just said, it makes perfect sense. Because if I replace put away with separate, if I, I'll do it now. Moreover, Josiah separated himself from mediums and spiritualists. That makes a lot more sense then, doesn't it? I would agree. So, uh, yeah, you, if you use the word separated, in place of put away or put aside, um, yeah, it sure does make a, a hell of a lot more sense. Um, the other one is Isaiah eight nineteen, and when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards, who whisper and mutter. That's the we heard that guy the other night say, you know, peep and mutter. Um, right. Same, same difference. Should not a people seek their own God? Should they seek the dead? on behalf of the living, let's explain to people the fullness of that. Because that preacher the other night quoted Isaiah 8.19, but he didn't do a real good job of explaining Isaiah 8.19. So now that I have you here all to myself, let's talk about that. Well, I don't know if there's some sort of a cultural thing here, Angelo, but it sounds to me like this peep and mutter stuff, I don't know because every medium I have come to know, the ones that follow the Lord and everything, I don't hear peeps and mutters and strange noises coming out of them at all. Yeah. 
Uh, as I did say on Tuesday night's show, I have not been one that asks for the readings, but I have been given voluntary readings right. because I do put my trust in the Lord first. But what I also mentioned about that that pastor that quoted Isaiah 8.19 is that he left out Isaiah 8.20, the verse following it, yes. which is to the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Yeah. It's interesting. In words, you know, that, that the Bible is your test for the yeah. not only the words, the lifestyle, and everything of what these mediums are doing. And, you know, and obviously I've said before that yeah. the person with a familiar spirit is calling upon spirits. That is the disobedience. And this is why I could not evaluate Doreen Virtue because I said, I do not know how she came to have her abilities, what she has done to further them or anything of that sort. Well, it, let so me I say this. Her, and I also don't know what the people in the church were telling her, yeah. assuming that they did not know that there's two kinds of people who uh, have communicated with spirits. Well, let, let's talk about that because it is very important. Yes. It's very important. Um, I will not in any way, shape, or form, I, I haven't done this before and I won't, um, I will, if someone appears legitimate to me, I will not, um, uh, condone, I, I will not, I, what's the word I'm looking for? I won't put them down. I won't question their gift if they appear to be genuine to me. And I'm a pretty, I have pretty good discernment. Um, I'm pretty good about telling people, you know, w whether I know, if something is from a godly source or whether it's from someplace else. Uh, because a godly spirit will come through bright and shining and clear and concise and right to the point. However, the same information, if it comes from a darkened source or a, a, a dark spirit, dark energy, that kind of source is quite ambiguous, and it's hard to see through, uh, and it's hard to get clarification on, and it's very often hard to understand. So when someone that's darkened in energy does a reading, it'll take them 30 minutes for, for them to do what I can do in three. You understand where I'm going with that? Well, yes, because the way I look at it, too, is that a lot of them are, you know, Satan cannot predict the future. All he can That's do is, uh, you know, go with the very best, uh, uh, what you call it, uh, how things are going, you know, and kind of, kind of predict it no more than you and I could predict uh, sports events or football games. But, yeah. you know, if he knows exactly how pe people react and all, he might give a good guess, yeah. whereas the Lord knows all things. And, you know, even still, you know, just the fact that somebody might be spot on from a dark energy. This is what I said about Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5 the other night when I said if someone tells you that something will happen and that event comes to pass and he says, let us follow other gods, you are not to listen to that person. Absolutely. So Absolutely. the spot on is not the test. The spot is, are they obeying the Lord in well, being spot on? I, I, that's a, that is an excellent segue for where I want to go now with it. Um, yeah. We have talked peripherally on Tuesday about where this kind of knowledge comes from. You just pointed out something critical to people, and I, want, I don't want them to, to lose what you said, which is that Satan cannot predict the future. Satan has no knowledge of the future. Only God does. Yes. And, and God only gives Satan enough creative wiggle room to do what God wants him to do. And let's just be honest about it. God created the heavens, the earth, the good, and the bad. Okay? He created the good and the bad. And I won't listen. Uh, listen to me, folks out there. Well, why would God create bad? Because he gave humanity free will and free choice. Knowing damn well that humanity was going to screw up. 
as we were supposed to, as we were intended to. Why? Because as soon as Eve took a bite of the apple, she sealed our fate. Simple as that. And if you think I'm wrong, ask Kevin Schopel, because I'm sure he'll validate everything I just said. Well, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And secondly, and most importantly, God is not going to entrust that kind of wisdom, that kind of knowledge with somebody that's clearly against him. Would you? It's like giving your enemy the PIN number to your ATM card. No. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you do that? I don't understand that. Like, why would you do that? Why would you give the enemy ammunition knowing that he's going to use it against you? So, so don't even deal with them. Don't, like, you don't have to deal with the devil. People say, oh, I have to make a deal with the devil and blah, 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 blah. No, you don't. No, you don't. Well, it all depends on what you want. If you want to make a deal with the devil, you better be prepared to deal with the consequences. Absolutely. Of course, uh, 3 or 411 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I do. When the devil tries to knock on my door, I put out the uh, do not disturb sign. Go away. You know? Jesus is the, is the Lord of my house. You know, I have a big sign in my living room. It says, as for me and uh, as for me and my home, we will serve the Lord with all our heart. That's right over my right shoulder here in my office. It was a clock that I made for my mom and stepdad when they got married. And I put that scripture, Joshua 24, 15, on the clock. Yep. Yes, sir. It's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorites. It's on my wall right now. Um, right above my brand new couch that cost me a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. We got somebody in the chat room. Sure. Um, oh, okay. I'll take care of that. Um, that's our buddy in the chat room there. Um, I have to make a special announcement at the end of the show. Um, so let's talk about, oh God, there's so much to go between Tuesday and now. One of the things we talked about, um, uh, is the translations of the Bible and how meaning and interpretation and, Powerful wisdom gets lost in translation, literally. I have a friend of mine. He was here with me on the show that we did on Jim Jones and Jonestown. His name is Pastor Steve Kwiatkowski. Uh, he married my wife and I. I've known this gentleman since he was seven years old. He's a little kid at the time. He's bigger than me now. And uh, he's got an Ang he's an Anglican minister. He has an Anglican church, and they use the New American Standard um, for interpretive purposes. Is that, in your opinion, Kevin, an acceptable standard of Bible to use in today's world? Or I think it depends upon what you're using that particular Bible for. Like, for example, the New King James that you read from earlier, yeah. to me, is, is something that if you wanted to just, you know, sit down in your easy chair and enjoy reading the Bible a while, that's good. Um, if you look for deeper meanings, maybe the Amplified Bible. But to me, one of the things that because of what I said earlier about the origins of the King James Bible, if I'm at a particularly tough scripture, I like to look and say, what does it say? What is different? For example, 1 Kings 19, 12, yeah. you know, it says that, you know, that, the Lord was in a still, small voice. Now, if you look at the definition of still, it means silent, making no sound. But if you look at some of the newer translations, they say that it was a whisper, which is a sound. There's a huge difference. One is telling you that the Lord bypassed the audio nerves and put the hearing directly in the brain because it didn't make any sound. The other is saying he heard something that was... Fairly quiet, but still made a noise. I Can I tell you what my interpretation of that? Because that's one of my favorite scriptures. That's still small voice. I love that. Yes. It always resonates with me, the heart, as an element of hearing. 
And I'll tell you what I mean by that. I believe that the word still absolutely means silent. As it's intended to mean silent. Because that's, it, it, that's what it means. The interpretation is silence. Si- literally, silence is golden in this, in, this, uh, um, in this setting here. So what we're talking about is a silent voice that resides inside your heart that's, that permeates to your intellect. Because I believe wholeheartedly, Kevin, that the brain and the heart are absolutely connected to each other. I don't mean just emotionally. I mean the physical brain and the physical heart are connected together. Absolutely connected together. I don't know how I'm not a doctor, but I am a pretty good medical intuitive. And I know that when my head hurts, my heart hurts. And when my heart hurts, my head hurts. You know? Because it forces me to think and feel something that I don't want to think and feel. But in a way, it's good because it creates that dealing with that catharsis. Dealing with something is half the battle of overcoming it. You know? I'll give you a perfect example, and I'm going to say something I've never said before. I have... um, it's confession time with Kevin Schopel tonight. <laughs> I have uh, a a very low tolerance for a certain type of ethnic people. I'll say that, okay, without mentioning who they are. I have a low tolerance for that. When God starts to speak to my heart and my head in terms that, He's trying to tell me, Angelo, you need to get over this and get past it because those who live in the past are condemned to repeat it as was above Jim Jones's throne in the jungles of Guyana. Those who live in the past are condemned to repeat it. And I find myself reverting back to that 10-year-old, 12-year-old kid in the city of Philadelphia who grew up with racism all around him. You know what I mean? Yes. And there were certain kinds of people that I didn't have a real high tolerance for. And certain words that I used that were not, that are not now socially acceptable. It bothers me, though, that these particular people use a particular word to describe themselves, but if a white person uses that same word, there's a problem. So listen, you guys, stop using that word and we will, okay? You understand what I'm saying? I, I do, and one of the things to me is that the more I use the person's real name, you know, the less I tend to say the black person or the oriental or the Mexican, I will say, Oh, this is Armando. This is Keonis. This is, you know, yeah. and it it, it, to- it has a way of driving out that kind of a prejudice when you're talking to the person and addressing by their real name. Yeah. And you know what? And I would do that. Problem is, I don't know any of their names. It's just, I see things happen around me. Yeah. And, and I, and I don't like what I see. Um, I live in an area where there's a very high crime rate, uh, a high black-on-black crime rate. Um, And why should it bother me? It's black-on-black crime. Why should it bother me? It does because I don't like to see anybody treat anybody like that, black or white. I don't care who they are. Um, My own particular prejudices Go back to when I was a kid, a little kid in Philly, growing up, you know, hanging out on the streets for a while till my father had a house built here in New Jersey. And then I never saw another black person again for a long, long time. Not till I was an adult. That's true. That's true. Can't make this up. Um, but that's my thing. That's my big thing right now is getting over my prejudice 
and you know, asking God to help me get over it. And it's hard. It's really hard. Um, but I will tell you, though, that it's getting better. I'll, I'll put it that way. And that's that I'm being truthful. I'm being honest with myself. And I'm being honest with my audience. It, it's getting better. Um, you know, uh, I will tell you that uh, I have a young black woman living in my house. She's dating my daughter. My daughter's gay. I accept that. I accept her partner. Wonderful, wonderful young lady. I have no problem with her. Why do I have a problem with other people? I don't, I don't, I just don't, I don't, I can't, I, was, I can't assimilate why I have a problem. You know? It's how much you know the person. You know your daughter. You know the daughter's girlfriend. Yeah. So you, you come to know them better. Like I said, the more you get to know them better, you know, the, I, I believe it is. I mean, this is, you know, when Jesus said, you know, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and my father and I will come to you and make our home with you. And that way is the way Jesus is saying, you're going to get to know us a whole lot better because we're going to be living inside you. This is in John chapter 14. I couldn't pinpoint the verse for you. Sorry. Yeah. I'll have to look at it. Up. I'll, have to, I'll find that. Um, really interesting stuff, Kevin. Really, really interesting stuff. Um, there's a couple other. I had some other quotes here, and I wanted to talk to you about real quick. Let's see some. That where was it? There was another one. Oh, Second Kings. Can we talk about why is the Second Kings chapters on um, mediums and spiritualists so misinterpreted, misunderstood? I'll give you a perfect example. 2 Kings 21.6. Also, he made his son pass through the fire, practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft, and consulted spiritualists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Um, what's the full context of that? Okay, well, first of all, let's get past the fact that the word medium is a mistranslation. It was probably familiar spirits in the original but let's go beyond okay. that now a lot of a lot of first kings second kings first chronicles second chronicles was talking about here are kings that did what was right in the sight of the lord and here's yeah. the ones that disobeyed god and did what was not right in the sight of the lord and it's more of an overview it does get specific yeah. in there they, that they made their sons pass through the fire which was in violation of deuteronomy um eighteen ten. Mm. you know um, so the fact is, you know, that, that's what they're really trying to do is to say these people did what was right and the others did not. And, you know, as to what made the difference, it could have been whatever people, whatever advisors, whatever, you know, who, who they were, were with. I mean, Solomon started out with his heart devoted to the Lord. All the foreign wives that he had, 700 wives and 300 concubines turned his heart differently. Yeah. Um, the other question I had for you. Yes. Why is Second Kings twenty one six and Second Chronicles thirty three six almost identical? Because uh, a lot of it is overlapping. Now, uh, Second Chronicles was written by a scribe named Ezra, which is the book that follows Second Chronicles. Right, the book of Ezra, yes. Okay. Yeah, but, you know, the fact is, is they, you know, be, it was two different sources documenting the history of Israel from the time of the divided kingdom, which was right after Solomon, until the exile into Babylon. Yeah. I'll tell you what, this is, if you want to know the answer to anything biblical, just contact Kevin Chopel. He's the guy. He's and my go-to guy. So, no, I want to tell everybody, and I, I want to make sure I do it right now. I have, um, here we go. I have the schedule. And we've got Kevin coming back. He's going to be with us on the God question. We are doing a show with... Um, couple of real interesting people. Uh, Kevin Schopel, of course, will be here. Um, Justin Carpenter will be here. 
Yes, his initials are JC, folks. And he, <laughs> and he looks just like him, too. The other person who will be with us, and it's going to be all men that night, Kevin. It's going to be you, me, Justin Carpenter, and probably my pastor, Pastor Steve Kwiatkowski, who is an Anglican pastor. Um, that's going to be an all-male show talking about the Bible. Um, Amelia will not be here for that show because I will make sure that she's on assignment studying another show. <laughs> so I'll tell you what. Let me just plug. Oh, by the way, Kevin, I bought all four of your books the other day. Oh, thank you. So you'll be getting the check in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be getting a check in the mail from Amazon. <laughs> Let me just tell everybody the books. It's, he's the author of the Truth About Psychics and Spiritual Gifts, God's Purpose for Psychics and Everyone, Melanie, a Christian Medium's Life and Her Gifts of Spirit. And the number four is, Kevin? It is Christians and Psychics. God has gifted them both. both. That's the other one. And it's funny, though, because I don't know if I told you, uh, but that book is not with the other three. You have to, you have to search it out by itself. It's so strange. I've never had a problem when I've when I I've told people I said if to find the books, put in my name on Amazon as a search engine, and I usually turn up all four books, and I also turn up one by Jennifer Lonberg, which was the Secret Experiences of a Closet Psychic. And I, I guess what I'm working on getting her on the show. If you know her, be glad to have her as a guest. She's very well educated and knowledgeable. In mediumship. Uh, you know what? If you can contact her for me. Yeah. Would, would I, you do that for me? Yeah. I, I can write that. to her. And uh, yeah, as far as her phone number, I'm not sure if I still have it, but I will check my contact list. Okay. And we'll do that, of course, everything off air. Um, the other thing is I want everybody to know that Kevin will be again with us on the God question. Um, we are, um, we're getting into some heavy, uh, subject matter and I really, I'm, I'm happy to, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, it's, this is good stuff. This is really good stuff. So, uh, Kevin, it's been a, 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 a nice show. Just you and I. Yes. For an hour. And, um, thank you, my friend, for making time with us on Thursday night. I guess you go spend some time with Shana now and, uh. And hang out and maybe have a little milk and cookies before we <laughs> Absolutely. go to bed. And the, well, and the Lord is flickering my screen over here. Why? What did I do, Lord? Um, but I'll tell you what. Here it goes again. Yep. So, listen, I'm going to let you go. Um, you have a great night. And, and everybody will see you next week. And we will talk about Love Has Won with Amy Carlson. Amelia will be back with me Tuesday. Take care, everybody. Good night and enjoy your weekend. Bye-bye. Okay.